You're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. done with Thanksgiving yet. Matter of fact, we're going to go to uh, Luke chapter 17. Uh, I don't need a clever intro for this. This, this passage needs no intro whatsoever. Uh, matter of fact, every one of us are guilty of this. Do not, you better withhold judgment uh, to the person that is guilty in this story because every one of us are including me, which is why it hit me in the heart. Uh, I'm not done. Say I'm thankful. Christmas is next week. Not really, but still. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with skin diseases approached him. Keeping their distance from him, they raised their voices and said, Jesus, show us mercy. They were desperate. They wanted him real bad. When Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest." As they left, they were cleansed, healed. One of them, he, one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, one, say one, when he saw that he had been healed, one, returned and praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And I love how Jesus is intentional here. That one person was a Samaritan. I want to stop right now. My title today is... Real stats, no bull. This ain't fake news. This is real. I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to bull crap. This is real stats. One, one, 10%. One, one of them came back and worshiped God. They didn't just want something from God. They want, he wanted God. Also want you to know this. This joker didn't have eczema. These 10 jokers had leprosy. It's a skin disease. They didn't just, it wasn't just an uncomfortable skin disease like, you know, uh, like uh, some of the people that you love. My daughter has struggled with it. It's very uncomfortable, but this is what, this ain't just a, this ain't an uncomfortable, itchy skin disease that burns. This man couldn't even work. It's, it's a very contagious disease. He couldn't even go in the inner courts. He couldn't even worship at the temple. He was considered unclean, which is why he's so desperate. He is screaming to Jesus because he's got to keep his distance. He has lost his ability to build a lineage, a legacy, and to be a father. He wants his life back. This ain't a skin disease. This is a life-ending circumstance. Changes everything, which is why he's desperate. Because when you're desperate, you don't care what the person next to you thinks about you. You don't care what they think. When you need something from God, you are going to be desperate. Atheism dies quickly when that's the only hope you got. Bitterness dies quickly when it's either your house is going to burn down because of bitterness or you're going to come back to him. When, you got, when your marriage and your family's on the line, when, you, when addiction is on the line, when you're either going to OD or you're going to get your life together, you don't care. When you are struggling, you don't care. You just want him. And I'm going to tell you, whether you're doing good or bad today, that's a good place to be, that desperate. Even though life's going pretty good for me in 2022, this church is amazing. My family is better and growing than ever. But I'm going to tell you, I never want to lose that des- desperation. I don't want to be numb. I don't want to be numb because that is ingratitude. And I'm going to tell you, this joker was desperate. Say real stats. One. One. Ten percent. Wanted him. Wanted him. Oh, 
Oh, and he was a Samaritan. I love Jesus. He was a Samaritan. Just so you know, in context, I ain't got time to teach on it. Uh, we got a lot of baptisms. In context, a Samaritan is the people that you consider the outside looking in. The Jewish religious people of that day, I'm don't, I, I may tell the story at Christmas because it's amazing. But I'm going to tell you, Samaritans were the people, they, they aren't Christian. They aren't religious. All my Republicans in the place, the way you're talking trash about um, uh, Reverend Warnock. All my Democrats in the place, the way you're talking crap about Herschel Walker. That's what they considered a Samaritan. And I want you to notice the one person that came to the altar and wanted him was a Samaritan. Jesus was challenging his audience. I am too, by the way. You better be kind. December 6th is coming. I swear it is the most unchristlike thing, regardless who wins, to how you handle it. How you handle winning will tell a lot on your heart, not how you handle losing. A Samaritan. Jesus says, by the way, well, no church people coming back to him worshiping. All the church people just wanted to check a box, and once they got what they wanted, they put some change on the box on the way out, and they were done. This is what Jesus was telling them when he said, the one person wasn't even a church person. It was a Samaritan, boys. Amen. I love a quiet room. I don't need amens because I hope you're thinking about it because I'm right. Because Jesus was right. See, we just we, we come to church. You get overly sensitive. When you ain't desperate, you'll get offended. When you need to be healed. When God is growing you. I've had people in my life uh, that they come to. But when we hit huge growth spurts. I'm having to prepare the staff now because I've done this longer. I can predict it. When we have huge growth spurts like we have this year. You better believe give it two, three months. And there'll be people that were saying, man, God's changing my life. I'll never leave this church. And then they actually get better. They get their marriage back. Their kids back. They're actually doing better. They're, and then they begin begin to be easily offended and I'll hurt their feelings they'll be out the door or they'll disconnect and not be as consistent because you were not the one the 10 percent you were the 90 percent who wanted him for what he could do for you for his benefits which is why if your life doesn't come together as quickly as you want you start blaming God this is not an NFL draft you're either surrendered or you're not you don't get the, and so 10 percent one out of ten who was an outsider. It was Reverend Warnock. It was Herschel Walker. It was Stacey Abrams. It was Brian Kemp. It was Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Not you, not me, who said, I'm coming back to say thank you because I am grateful that you are who you say you are even though I've already got what I wanted. One. Real stats. I don't want to be 90%. I want to preach against this 90% mentality because it is too ingrained in our church culture. Jesus replied, weren't there 10? Weren't 10 cleansed? He's teaching his boys right here who are going to change the world. Weren't there 10, weren't there 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? No one returned to praise God except this foreigner, this one that y'all talk about, like window shopper outside looking in, saying the church boy, the foreigner, right? He's the one that came back, guys. I want you to see this, disciples. Then Jesus said to him, get up and go. Your faith, your gratitude has healed you. All 10 of them got healed. Only one of them got changed. Amen. I want you to hear me. All 10 of them got healed. All 10 of them, their life got better. Your life can get better and you not get better. Man, I'm going to tell you some of the best sermons I've ever preached in my life. I brought it. My heart was so far off. And it, hey, the numbers may have grew here, but I'm going to tell you, my heart couldn't contain it. And that was a problem. One got changed. 
You got your marriage right. You got your money right. You got your kids right. You finally got your kids back. You got sobriety. You got a little complacent because you've been sober for three months, three years, and you think, oh, I got this. You got success. You got a promotion. So you start, you start preaching about more about your testimony and what God has done for you and less about humbling yourself and saying, man, I still don't deserve his grace. I'm so grateful. One. Tell somebody say real status. One. 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 It's easy to get mad at the church and go run and get mad and, and burn your bridges of your families and everybody you don't like when you were the 90% because that's a 90% mentality. It's easy to go call everybody snowflakes, but I'm going to tell you when you're self-righteous and prideful and bitter and angry at everything that doesn't look like you or talk like you or, or challenges you, it's easy to be the 90% and to call everybody else a snowflake. Jesus said one, one. 10%. Real stats. That ain't fake news. If you love Jesus and believe him, that ain't fake news. That's real. Amen. One. Your faith, your gratitude has healed you. And I'm going to tell you, faith and gratitude is as essential as oxygen in your lungs. And God, I want that for you, Catalyst. And I'm willing to uh, make you mad to help you lead you to it. God wants that for you. Lord, right now, I'm not going to hold back, but I just ask you to open hearts, penetrate pride, past, present, trauma. Lord, uh, just, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you're going to speak through me because I'm a crazy one, but I'm your vessel, and I'm asking you to use me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to help you choose gratitude and faith today. That's what I'm going to spend the rest of the message on. You want to choose it? Here's how you do it. It's simple. Uh, if you want to take notes, because the people that really like to grow like to write something down that they want to remember in your, in your, on your bulletin, you'll see the outline on the back. You can take notes. I want to help you choose it. So let's start here. Say this with me. So actually, tell your neighbor, because you ain't going to like to say it, you, you, you jokers. Say, uh, say uh, stop shooting on yourself. I'll say it. This is Catalyst. This ain't downtown. Say it. Say, stop shooting on yourself. Stop it. Stop it right now. Stop it right now. Everybody's like, psh, 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 psh. like you a kid. Don't want your daddy to hear. Psh, psh. Man, if you can't be real in church, you can't be real nowhere because he's here too, by the way. He's actually, he's, actually in the, he's actually in those rooms where you are undermining your boss trying to manipulate and you're talking bad about your employer that you want the promotion and you don't want them to have it. He's in those, he's in those rooms that you, in the, that you think you're hiding from everybody but not him, so you better just bring it in church and be honest. They say it like you mean it. Say, stop shooting on yourself. Stop it. Stop with the what ifs and but ifs and should ifs and would ifs. You better stop it right now. I'm in a season of my life that I've gotten an opportunity and I hope I get more. I really enjoy it. I hope one day I can do it to a lot of people. I've been able to speak to staff leaderships and pastors and been able to teach them and I'm thankful for that. And I will always share something like this to them. I will say you need to give yourself the same grace that you preach to everybody else. And I preach from this, King David, who made all the mistakes in the world and he says this, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven. <laughs> And tell your kids and your wife and your friends, all right, let you quit living in the past, quit beating yourself up. Turn to your neighbor and say, your turn. Whose sin is put out of sight. You want to build faith and gratitude? You want to not be in the 90% mindset? It's how you do it. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. He gives you grace, not just everybody else. He's called you to do greater things, not just everybody else. 
He's called you to go out and put in for the jobs that they say you're unqualified for, not just everybody else. He's called you to a testimony, not just everybody else. He's, he is greater is he who is in you, not just greater is he who is in everybody else, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Stay, say it with me. Say stop shooting on yourself. Stop beating yourself up. Stop living in would'ves and should'ves. Man, I'm so grateful that when I started dating Angie, all the loss she dealt with before we got married, she straight said it. Ben, you're going to build a life with me. We will not, live in, we will not be doing would'ves and should'ves. We are moving forward always. And our family has been true to that in a lot of seasons now. Stop. Say stop shooting on yourself. Stop it. You can learn from, but you need to stop living in what you did, didn't do, what happened, what didn't happen, what they did, you need to stop it because you can learn from, but if you keep living in it, you are not going to choose gratitude and faith. You're going to want it, but it's going to be out of reach and you're constantly going to be running from it because you're constantly in regret. Well, what if I'd have done this or hadn't done this or I've ruined my kids? Jesus loaned you those kids. They're his kids. You need to stop shooting on yourself. You need to get out of the what ifs and but ifs and you need to begin to move forward. Because if you keep living instead of learning from living in the things that happen to you, you are never going to be able to look forward and say, God, I'm choosing faith and gratitude. Come on. Stop it. You made some mistakes. So have I. We've all made them, man. If I would have planted this church six years ago, this thing would be banging and we would have made a lot less mistakes. But you know what? That ain't what happened. And you know what? I ain't looking back there. I'm looking here. Say, stop shooting on yourself. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Forgive yourself. Know that God forgives you. If you need to make amends with some people and you need to tell them, I'm sorry for the damage I did by doing whatever. Do what you need to do. But God forgave you a long time ago and it's time for you to forgive yourself. Stop shutting on yourself. You can live in regrets all day, but you need to stop because you will never be able to choose gratitude and faith. You'll walk in Sunday services like this and you'll be numb. You won't feel anything and you'll be in doubt when the presence of God is thick but you're numb to it because you're too busy shooting all over yourself that's how you choose faith stop it right now say it one more time say stop it look at your neighbor tell them stop it look at your other neighbor say it's your turn you tell your kids you tell your wife you tell your husband and your friends oh Jesus loves you and forgives you tell your neighbor say same is true for you stop it Stop shooting on yourself and, and, and speak life over yourself. Begin to speak life over yourself in situation, man. Tim Buckhannon brought it last week, by the way, y'all. Anybody was here? If you missed it, if you missed it, I'm sorry. You better go watch it online. Joker brought it. And we're going to constantly teach on that stuff. You need to quit shooting on yourself and talking crap over yourself. And by the way, if you're taking notes, I had to write this outline. I had to turn it in a little earlier because of Thanksgiving. You can add to that point. Uh, speak life over yourself, your situation, and other people. Because Jesus doesn't just say pray for your enemies. He says bless them. Speak life over them. It don't matter if they're at your table or not anymore. You better love them enough to say, man, I want them to get what God wants for me. And if you don't, you are bitter. So it's time to quit shooting on yourself and then other people because of your own shame. And it's time to speak life over yourself and situation. The scripture says this. It says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, and reptiles, and fish. But no one can tame the tongue. 
Woo! Ain't that the truth? Angel's like, yeah, baby, you're right. You, you hear yourself? I'm going to remind you of that at 2 p.m. when you're being a turd. It is restless and evil. Man, I tell you one thing. Look at social media. You'll see that. Restless, evil, and full of dead poison. Mm. Sometimes, I love James, man, because he was the brother of Jesus. Man knew his business. Man, he knew Jesus' business. Sometimes it, it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Just so you know, this Christmas, the in-laws that you can't stand, they are made in the image of God. Whether you like to admit it or not, you better say it right now. Say, Jesus loves them. Yeah, uh, all those politicians that you've been throwing dirt on for the last two years and going, now that the new ele- the presidential election is coming up, yeah, they're made in the image of God whether you like them or not. All of them. All of them. Jesus treated Judas respectfully. He said, go ahead and do what you do and do it quickly, but I'm not going to hate you for it. Woo, but we don't like that in American culture. We like to crap on people and take names and smear faces. That's what we like to do. Because we can't tame this right here. You better speak life over yourself in your situation and other people. It says everybody. They're made in the image, man. The employer that overlooked you and didn't give you the promotion. Yeah, they're made in the image of God. Your ex that you can't stand and they're a terrible parent and you're having to be a parent all alone and you hate them and you like to post about what a PO, whatever they are. I'm going to tell you, they're made in the image of God. Whether they believe it yet or not, that's what they are. That's what you are. And the same grace he gives you, he gives them. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this, should, this is not right. I love this. Does a spring of water bubble out with fresh water and bitter water? Woo! Mm. Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? You say you, you love Jesus, what's coming out your mouth? What I got to say. Is it getting better or worse? Is it getting more cynical or less? You're getting more bitter and burning everything down around you or are you actually the fire calming down so you can actually be human and enjoy what God has given you? I don't know. I'm just, are you jealous? You hate it that they're making it and you're not? I don't know. That's what James is saying. No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Tell your neighbor right now, say, quit being so salty. Look back at him, call him a pot. Say, pot calling the kettle right there. Say, you're salty. Point at him, say, you're salty. Can we just raise our hands together? All my salty people, put your hands up. If your hand's down right now, you are a liar. Stop shooting on yourself in your situation and speak life. If you are hurting and you are constantly being toxic with your mouth, let me tell you how to fix it. Find one thing to be grateful for. One thing, grab hold of it. Jill Buchanan, uh, they're not, she's out of town this week, but uh, her husband passed away. I did his funeral in 2016. He was 47. It was tragic. Uh, some of his family is actually in the room. And uh, she told me I preached his funeral, and she held on to, to what we always say here, that the best is yet to come. And, boy, she, her family got his worked all these years. But she told me, she said, the way I beat it, and she said, it sounds stupid. I said, no, it don't sound stupid at all. It's what Jesus said to do. She said, I found what to be grateful for. And I began to draw closer to God. Find something to be grateful for. Grab hold of it. Speak to it. When you got nothing else, you better speak to it. Speak to it, y'all. Speak to it. Speak to it. Tell somebody, say, speak to it. And if you don't have anything to be thankful for because you're so lost in your circumstances and situations and what people did to you and how they feel about you and why you're always left out and why your kid doesn't ever get a chance to play and all those things, I'll give you something right now. You ready? You're his. 
There's, that's it. I just gave all you stokers. I just say thank you anything. You're, you're his child. You're the king's kid. That's enough. That's if he never did anything else for you, that's enough. He'll do more, but you better start there. I got diagnosed with Tourette's in uh, 1997 after years of just terrible ticks. Probably one of the gr- most, uh, the greatest principles that I'm grateful for. My mother, I'm in middle school. My mother tells me, she says, I want you to uh, just, when you're struggling, because it's traumatic going to public schools with Tourette's syndrome. Right. Come on, man. It is, especially when you dope to the gills and they're trying to find medicines to slow down your ticks. It was rough. And my mama used to tell me, she used to say, I want you to say it under your mouth. I want you to say it under your breath. Y'all, this changed my life and it continues to. She said, I just want you to say under your breath, say I'm your child. I'm the king's kid. Begin to speak scripture. And, and I didn't even memorize it then. I just remember what my mama prayed over me because your kids are listening. I'm just saying you ain't perfect, but they're listening. And I remember in middle school, I had so much saliva that I couldn't hold it in my mouth because of all the medicines. And I can vividly remember being on Carrollton Junior High gym floor and, and spit just drool, just drizzling on the floor. And all the people, and especially the pretty girls that were looking at me, and they were, they were and I, I remember just the anxiety. You wonder why I ain't scared of people now? It's probably that. Amen. And I remember just whispering under my tail, even though I, I was in tears, even though I was struggling, I remember just saying, I'm your kid. Close by, I'm your kid. Come on, man. You're working in my life. I don't, I don't know how. I don't feel it, but you're working. Begin to speak to it. God told Ezekiel, he said, speak to the dry bones. In high school, you know, I began to, I learned to cope with Tourette's. You know, I learned to, I actually got pretty popular. Everybody could, thank you, Randy. Depends on who you ask. I'm just saying. Uh, the thing is, if you don't like me, you don't have to be around me anymore and vice versa. So that's good. I can love you, but you don't have to, you know, whatever. I'm in high school. And even though I learned to make people laugh, and I got, I got most unforgettable in my senior class, I learned to work it. I learned to work what God gave me. But what people didn't know is when you imitated my tics, it exacerbated them. So I could make people laugh, but people would be getting into impressions, and I would be in terrible pain. And I remember being, have to go into the, uh, the nurse at the school, and I never told on anybody because I knew that's a good way to get unpopular quick is to be a snitch over something like that. They didn't know any better. And I remember just being in tears of terrible pain, and everybody's laughing and loves Ben, but it's at my expense, and I'm hurting. And I remember in tears, like not knowing what to do and just saying, I'm yours. I'm your child. I'm your child. I was failing math. They, they told me I was slow, and I am slow. I just know what I'm not slow at now, and that's all you need to know is what you're good at. You don't need to know the areas you're weak. Know that ones you're strong. And, and you know how I found that out? I just began to speak life. I'm your child. I'm your kid. I'm yours. And I tell you one thing, it works. You want to build faith and gratitude in your life? Stop shooting on yourself and speak life over yourself and your situation. If you will speak to the dead bones, they will come to life if you will begin to build faith and gratitude. Speak life over yourself and your situation. Tell somebody, say, I'm thankful. And if you're not, I want to show you just how thankful you should be today. Say this with me. Say, trust God. That's the third one. You want to build faith and gratitude? You better trust him. Trust him. Trust him. It don't have to make sense. They may have died way too soon. You may have had to bury them. They may have left you and cheated on you. They may never pay you well and you deserve the pay raise and the promotion. You may be barely putting food on the table or you're not putting food on the table. But I'm going to tell you, tell your neighbor right now, remind them, say, trust him. Trust him. Come on. 
The psalmist writes this. I love the psalms. It's so raw. The psalm 34, the psalmist says, even strong young lions sometimes go hungry. The best of the best have setbacks. The wealthiest of the wealthy get weak and wounded and hurt. Look at these, look at people in Hollywood that have accumulated the power and the, and the wealth and they're still hanging themselves just like everyday people. We all carry pressure. We all hurt. And in the Bible, the psalmist wrote thousands, several thousand years ago, even young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Prophet Isaiah says, that even youth grow weary. Our youth are over there right now in the other building uh, wrapping presents. They got to sponsor some giving, some angels on our giving tree this year. But youth, you know, they run circles around you. Parents, you can't keep up with them, right? Isaiah said, even youth grow weary, even young men fall, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. I love that, new strength. Strength you never thought you could have in your marriage and in your health and in your finances and in your families and in your, as a parent, as an employer. Strength that you never thought you could have again. That's why I'm thankful this year is because when I thought I would never feel the way I did about ministry and people and I love people more than ever and I'm, I'm less afraid and I don't mind cutting things off early and I don't mind fighting for people that I know I need to fight for because even young men fall. But those who trust in the Lord find new strength. New seasons require new strength. New levels require new growth and sometimes new people in your life. You hear me right now? Because when you stop going to the club and drinking so much, all your friends that used to, get, used to benefit from those weekends ain't going to come along with you. I've had to not take it personally when people aren't going to go with me to next levels and next growth. And when we go to two services, which we will next year, I'm just saying, when we go to two services, some people are going to say, ah, I miss the intimacy in the small church. Well, go find a small one because heaven's going to be packed too. So you better work on it between now and there. See, new seasons require new strength. And see, in your life, you have to trust God if you want new strength. When it doesn't make sense, you better trust God. Listen to me. If the chronic pain stays or goes, you better, require, you better trust him. Trust somebody with major back issues. I'm strutting on this stage today, but there's been times I was lit up with injections. There's been times I had withdrawals to muscle relaxers, and I thought that I was, I, was, I had to get, because of major injuries, and, I, and when I came off of them, like I thought I was going to face plant, and I told everybody, everybody's going to think I'm on drugs, and I ain't. I'm just hurting. I'm strutting today, but I'm going to tell you, when I have a season where my neck and my desk and all those things from years of ticks hit me, I'll be up here preaching just like I am today, even if I ain't working this stage as fast. Trust him. Whether the cancer stays or goes, whether the spouse leaves you, whether they give you the promotion, whether they blame you for the problems, whether your parents believe in you or proud of you or not, I, it, it doesn't matter. Trust him when it doesn't make sense. Trust him when you're on food stamps and you still ain't got money for groceries. Trust him. Even youth grow weary. Oh, I love the psalmist. He says... Uh, the Lord will withhold no good things from those who do what is right. I just whipped that out of my back pocket, but that's a promise. If you trust him, he will withhold no good thing. You ain't ready for some things right now, but you know how you get ready? You trust him and he gives you new strength, new maturity, new levels of influence. 
You start right now. Say, trust God. Tell somebody right now. Say, trust God. I have seen what he can do. I've seen what he can do when you trust him, when it doesn't make sense, when there's no way it ever will make sense, when they're being buried too soon, when you got to rebuild your family, your business, your finances, your criminal record, the church. I don't care. It doesn't matter if you trust him. You will build for gratitude and faith because you will begin to build a reference and you will see what God can do. And I'm in the point of my life I will never look back. Tell somebody to say I'm thankful. Oh, I am too. I hope you are for real. I'm going to talk you into it hopefully. I'm going to knock out two points right now. I'm going to knock them out right now. Y'all ready? Seek perspective from God and spend time with God. I told you my message is simple today. It's just not easy. Well, it takes some faith. It takes some uh, audacity to practice. Seek perspective from God. So you're going to everybody else. You're going to your side piece instead of having conversations about your own marriage with God and seeking your perspective for your marriage. You'd rather go wake up next to somebody who tells you you're pretty because they ain't been married to you 30 years and they don't, they don't know the truth. You still love, but you better, you got to believe it for yourself. You know how you get that? Gratitude and faith. I don't know. It's a 90% mindset. A 90% mindset. You go down, you will never find what you're looking for at the bottom of that bottle. You're just going to numb yourself until you're dead and in the ground. You never, then pills are only going to make you feel good for about five minutes or until they lose a faith. Then you're going to need another one. He is living water. He says what he says. If you take him up on it, he either is or isn't. Seek perspective, yes. Never be thirsty again, Bradford. The reason you live starving is because you truly haven't been drinking from his well consistently. You may come to church and drink for a second. So did them other nine. nine. Them other 90%, they came to church. They got, hey, hey y'all know what kind of charismatic church. They, they got slain in the spirit. But you know what? They went outside the church Monday through Saturday to doing their own thing, drinking from other wells. You know what that gets you? Just as empty as the corporate leaders who are making millions and don't even tithe, don't even give a half a percentage to, 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 to charities or church. You're going to be just as empty except you just look more churchy. Because Jesus said the Samaritan was the one that came. Seek perspective. James, brother of Jesus, yet again says this. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. I love that. He doesn't just say ask God. Ask our generous God because God is generous. Just so you know, I know you're hurting. You're going through a lot. God is generous. Please don't forget it. He is generous. And he will give it to you. You need perspective. You need wisdom. You need, to, you need to know what to say or what not to say or when to actually walk away and quit making a fool of yourself because you let somebody trigger and you go tit for tat with somebody too long and you end up having a bad temper and you're the one that looks foolish. He will not rebuke you for asking. He is not going to laugh at you for your dumb questions. He just wants to give you the wisdom and perspective that you've been, he's been wanting to give you your whole life. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Don't miss that. Make sure your faith isn't in the affirmation from other people and make sure that you're not going to everything else. And he says, make sure that you believe God when you ask and do not waver. You keep going. Boy, you cut. some seasons you need to come to this altar every week as much as it's open. And some seasons you still need to come, whether you're doing good or not. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. You want to know why your life's a roller coaster? 
Anxiety's up and down, emotions up and down, your financial situation's up and down, your volatility in your relationships and marriage is up and down all over the place. There it is. James is talking to you. The word's talking to you. And then he says such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Why? That's harsh, isn't it? Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. See, you can pretend to be churchy but be as worldly. Uh, sometimes church people and the way we act in church is considered church appropriate is as worldly as the world gets. I've seen pastors. I've been guilty of being an ambitious pastor that does that, that all I care about is numbers. Man, I'm going to tell y'all something. We're about to grow. We're going to keep growing. But I, the numbers don't stroke my ego. What we do with them does now. If you want to see a staff meeting where I'm a little bit too harsh, it's when we have big crowds and I say, I don't care if we have 500. I care what we do with them and that their grandkids love Jesus because of what God did in their life here. Because I'm going to tell you, that that's, it's worldly, man. We are so worldly and we call it churchy. And he says, they are unstable in everything they do. You know, you're not level. You're conflicted. You're constantly confused. You're constantly confused. You're all over the place. Emotionally, you're all over the place. Spend time with God. That's the point I'm going to knock out with this. You know how you seek perspective from him? Spend time with him. Bible says, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. That's what he did. Went to a conference a month, a month or two ago with the staff in Nashville, and they gave this to remind us that this is where you find him. Yo, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy, the way I grew up, I move. I, don't, I constantly, I'm, I'm, what's the next thing? I'm, a, I'm an attacker. I'm a hustler. I may not work with my back like some of you, but I'm going to tell you, I'm, I know what I'm good at, and I, go, I grind. But, but Jesus, this is where he found him. and said he withdrew to wilderness, solitude. Silence. See, I've, I've had to learn in my life, I'm not going to be in the bed. But, I'm, but my problem is I don't ever sit down and actually think about some things. I'm not, I can sit down and think about sermons and pray and read scripture, but I'm talking about seeking. And this is where Jesus found. This was his example. This is where you find him. This is what Jesus did, and this is what we should do. We don't like silence and solitude. We like noise and social media. In Old Testament, when Elijah's searching, literally he's broken, and, and, he, and God, God wasn't in the earthquake, he wasn't in the fire. It says he was in the still, small voice. I, we come in here at about 7.30 in the mornings, me and Connor on Sundays, and we pray over this entire room. Your chair's been prayed for. And this week, Connor came in today, and he said, he said how about instead of having worship music playing, let's just do it in silence. I struggle with silence. You're too busy, you're too busy talking louder and working harder and listening to more podcasts and posting more selfies trying to get people to compliment you and say, you're pretty, you're a good looking man, you're talented, you're, your daddy's proud of you, I'm sure, I wish I had a son or daughter like you. And you're going and going and you refuse to sit down and you don't have his perspective because you don't seek his presence and you don't spend time with him. And in my ministry, in my life, the times that I stop growing aren't the times that I'm studying or I'm, hey, I can walk around this thing all day and tell the staff what they need to do better what I think would be a good idea and stuff like that but this is where you find them when I get away from this 
when I stop seeking him and praying and saying, hey, I got to slow down. I know that I want to cuss them out and they probably deserve it. But if I will slow down and seek his perspective and presence, it changes everything. It changes everything. And I'm one of those. I don't like that as much. I mean, I do it, but I don't like it just like you don't. Choose joy and gratitude. Seek his presence. Seek his presence. Seek his presence. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. What I lacked in life and what I still lack, I'm thankful for it now because it's what took me to my knees and that's where I found it. Not seminary, not a growing church, not being called pastor and people saying, I love you, man of God. Here. Here. And finally, and all my people getting baptized, you can go make preparation, please. And everybody else stay locked in and focused on me. Choose joy. Choose joy. Joy is indestructible. Excuse me. Joy is not in your circumstances. Happiness is in your circumstances. When your life's going well and the finances are going great, you're happy, you know. Things are looking up, man. You're happy. That's, that's, that's happiness. That's not joy. Joy is a supernatural perspective and strength that comes from him. Jesus had joy dying on the cross. The Bible says for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He had joy. Joy is a commitment. It is a, it is a choice that you make in every day. Joy is when they don't promote you or when they steal your inheritance and you're absolutely angry because you were entitled to that inheritance and how dare they. And when they pass you up for the promotion, when, they, when they're bitter at you and they don't believe in you and they turn other people against you and they betray you. And just like Jesus said they would do, by the way, he told the disciples, and you're no different because Jesus said that a servant is not above his master. They did it to him. Joy is, God, you're still working. And I will tell you, the people that walk away from their faith, the people that walk away from church because of church people, you, you gave up your joy. Nobody ever loses faith in Jesus that doesn't first give up their joy in Jesus. And joy is something that you can have when you're in the worst tragedy of your life. When everything's taken from you, joy isn't just a word that we throw out at Christmas. Joy is something that God will give you in every single season. Joy is indestructible. Paul tells the church, joy. Paul had joy when he lost his head. And he tells the church of Rome, he says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. God is expanding your life. That's the perspective of joy. He says, and, and, and we what? We can what? Rejoice? Say joy. Say joy. Say joy. joy. And endurance develops strength of character, and character uh, strengthens our confident hope of salvation. God is using whatever you're dealing with to expand and strengthen your confidence and, and, and perspective and faith. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit his presence to fill our hearts with love. If you have no love in your heart right now, you have given up your joy. And you need to take it back because joy is indestructible. Joy is an opportunity. Don't know what you're going through, been through, but joy is an opportunity. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. 
For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For, your endurance, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete and needing nothing. That is joy that God is working in my life. You don't have to feel it. You don't have to see it. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to sense it. But I'm going to tell you, faith is saying I'm walking by faith. I'm walking by joy. Joy. And lastly, joy is strength. Nehemiah rebuilding the wall. He said, for the joy of the Lord is my strength. Joy. Joy, joy. And some of you, some of you in this place right now, you love Jesus. You love Jesus, but you have lost your joy. King David lost his joy. King David lost his joy. And he says in Psalm 51, he says, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. down and I'm going to tell you God specifically told Israel in the book of Haggai he said I'm going to turn you upside down and that's what he's done and we get a chance right now this is where you find him this is where you find him it isn't isn't saying all your goals that you're going to set for New Year's I'm going to go to the gym you can have a better body but not a better soul and spirit it doesn't do you any good to have abs if you're hollow on the inside and still hurting and unhealed 
teach us all. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You can talk to him. You don't have to keep living in anxiety and insecurity. I know there's some people right now, you, your heart is open, but you have so much anxiety. I got it, man. I get you. I was that guy. I told you about it. I froze. I couldn't even work. There were times I was an associate pastor, and I would never be down here with my hands up like I do now. By the way, I don't do that for a show. I do that to set the example. This is the church we're going to be. You find him in his presence. You don't even find, I don't find him up here preaching. I, try, I find him on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday trying to seek him for his word. I don't find him up here, man. It's exhausting, actually. Right here. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at IamCatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at IamCatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you, we care about you, and we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.